You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. This morning's scripture is Daniel 9, 4 through 19. It's on page 745 or 7, if you're interested in following along in the Bibles that are provided here at church. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his ways, which he set before us by his servants and prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers, who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entered the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, now therefore, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open our, your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hear, O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. You may be seated. Good morning. So uh, just a heads up, next week is, believe it or not, 
July, uh, July 4th, we will start passing the offering plate beginning next week, just, just so you're aware. I figure it's, it's about time. Um, if that's something you're not comfortable with, just do this. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I don't know. I don't know how you... But anyway, so that's, what's gonna, that's what we're going to start next week. Um, if you prefer, you can give uh, online. If, if you don't want to do the online thing, we have a box in the back. We try to provide multiple ways for you to be able to do that as an extension of your worship uh, to, to God. So, so, so there's that. Um, if you are visiting for the first time, you might not know this, but in the second service, which is at 11 o'clock, we will have a baptism service. So uh, I am not going to preach my normal sermon in the second service. Uh, my encouragement to you is if you don't have any plans for 11 o'clock, hang out and celebrate the baptisms of uh, four individuals who, I mean, you, their stories are pretty, pretty amazing, and it's, it's exciting. I uh, just had a chance to meet with each one of them and um, hear how God has been transforming their lives. All four of them uh, are pretty new to the faith. Uh, all four of them have, have been rescued out of a life of addiction. Um, there are four adults, two men, two women, and um, I, I can't wait to, to have the honor to, to baptize them. So um, one of them will be sharing her story uh, at the end. So she'll be the fourth one. Uh, she's going to share her story, which is pretty, pretty amazing how God moves um, through the lives of indiv individuals. But anyway, so Hang out if you don't have any plans. Uh, that's, that's in the second service. All right, we are in Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, working our way through, through Daniel. <laughs> I was trying to figure out when are we going to be finished with Daniel. We'll, 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 we will work our way through Daniel and be done by the end of the summer. So uh, I've got a couple people who are preaching uh, uh, in the summer. Uh, in my place, but uh, we will finish Daniel sometime in uh, uh, early September, I think. So, so that's happening. I'm working on a sermon series. Uh, I w originally, it was called Songs of Summer, but since it will be like approaching autumn, I thought, well, what do I call it now? Songs of Autumn? That sounds terrible. Um, but just to give you a heads up as to what, what's happening with that, I feel like you've known me well enough uh, to know that you know I am, you know, our mo, my mo in handling the scriptures is we open the scriptures together. I preach through them. Uh, every once in a while, I will at least two times a year I will try to do a sermon series that is apologetic in nature, that's like deals with culture, and uh, as a way for me to uh, help you kind of use culture as a bridge to share the gospel with your neighbors. So I've done two Songs of Summer series in, at Missio Dei Fellowship. They were, that's the church I planted uh, back in the day. Those were two sermon series that I love doing. They are a lot of work. People really enjoyed it. So I'm doing a, another sermon series like that, and I'm doing it here. And what I've done is I've had a criteria set where... Uh, I would take songs that are on the Billboard charts that are really popular, 
the criteria was that these songs had to have come out of COVID, so either inspired by COVID or have come out, uh, were released in the midst of COVID, and they had to be popular. I've selected, I think, six or seven songs, uh, and then I had to wean them out based on uh, appropriate music videos. <laughs> so, uh, so I did that, and then I will preach on a psalm in the Bible that speaks into the song that everybody's that people are listening to. So does that makes sense. So that's coming up in September, and so just be praying that uh, that God will use that in a way that He will be glorified and we will be helped uh, as well. And maybe you might be thinking of individual the individuals who might benefit from that. So that's coming. All right, now let's get into Daniel chapter nine. Uh, because we don't have a whole lot of time. So, Daniel chapter 9 is Daniel's, like, this is probably, I think, one of the longest prayers in the Bible. And it comes on the heels of Daniel chapter 8, which we looked at last week. In Daniel 9, he, he, Daniel is praying and lamenting over the sins of Israel. And, and what uh, brought him to that point where he just felt compelled to pray was his reading of the book of Jeremiah. This is a really interesting uh, chapter in the Bible. You have Daniel who's reading Jeremiah, uh, viewing Jeremiah, a not a contemporary of his, but I mean not, not too far removed from Daniel's life, as scripture, and it compelled him to pray. Um, so the question, if you're, especially if you're new and you're just kind of jumping into uh, Meadowbrook trying to figure out, hey, you know, is this church for me? Uh, we've been working through Daniel, and for those of you who have been tracking through the sermon series, uh, this is not new to you, but, but the reason why Daniel was in Babylon was because God disciplined Israel. It, he had warned Israel multiple times in her past, if you continue to worship other gods, if you continue to rebel against me, I will uh, cause another kingdom to come and remove you by force from the land of promise, which is Israel. And so that happened. Daniel was one of the individuals that was carried away under the Babylonian exile, under Nebuchadnezzar, uh, into Babylon. And it wasn't because Daniel did anything wrong. It was his people that did something wrong. And God judged them corporately. That's how Daniel wound up in Babylon. And so you could say, and I, and I believe this is a major theme in the Bible, that the reason why Daniel was in Babylon is because God is sovereign you know, that's a major theme in the book of Daniel. But, um, but the other reason why is because Israel had sinned. God, ha God, his patience had run dry. We're talking hundreds of years of God warning his people through the prophets and, and through his word, and they did not listen, and so God disciplined them. And that's why we have Daniel chapter 9. And in, the, in verses 4 through 5, Daniel tells us why why he's on his knees praying before the God of all creation. He said, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, uh, turning aside from your commandments and rules. 
That's why. The people of Israel had sinned. How did they sin? They ignored the word of God. When they heard it, they discounted it. They said, you know, that's not really for me. And so they, they, they went on along their way. There were, there were small uh, seasons, short seasons in, in Israel's history where they worshiped God and their hearts seemed to belong to God, but then they would fall back into the trap of idolatry. God had said in Exodus chapter 19, after Moses led Israel out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt, he said uh, this. Let's uh, read this together. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He said, that's what I want for you. That's my longing for you, Israel to be my kingdom of priests, to represent me before the rest of the world. And they did not do that. And so God, Moses, through Moses, God warned them. He said this in Deuteronomy 28, just so you understand Daniel 9. He said, the Lord will bring you and your king whom you set over you to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. If you rebel against me, if you continue in your sin, and there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, and you shall become a horror, a proverb, and a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. God warned them. And so when we read Daniel chapter 9, it is easy just to say, oh, Daniel chapter 9, he's praying for Israel. That has very little to do with me. It has everything to do with you, and it has everything to do with me. The same uh, dangers that, that threatened Israel threaten us today as the people of God. I quoted Tim Keller, you know, somebody I really admire, who said, you know, the heart is an idol factory. Our hearts are idol factories. We have a tendency of making good things ultimate things, and thereby we wind up bowing down and worshiping those things. That is idolatry. And, and you, you know, if you've been following along in this sermon series, uh, the, the, even though Babylon, the empire, does not exist anymore, the spirit of Babylon does. This desire to just live our lives our own way and to discount God and to just, and, and, you know, he could, be, he could be a footnote in our life, he can be kind of on the sidelines, he can warm the bench of our life, but, but for him to be the, the center of, of our lives, well, we're not having that. That's, that is the spirit of Babylon. What we see in politics, what we see in our nation, what we see in our world is the spirit of Babylon. The Bible promises there's coming a day when that will come to an end. But Daniel is on his face and he's praying for his people because they have sinned. And we would be foolish if we do not, pay, if we do not heed some of the warnings that, that, that we see here in Daniel chapter 9. So what I want to do is just, I want to do two things. I want to look at Daniel and how he pursued God and then um, we're going to look at Daniel and how he humbled himself before God. And, learn, and, and by doing that, my hope is that we'll learn how we can approach God in prayer as well. And it's my hope that the Spirit of God will just speak to your heart. That if, we're, if you're falling into some of the same traps that Israel did, which began with just discounting the Word of God, that by the end of this you'll say, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. Daniel pursued God. How did he pursue God? You know what I find interesting? Is the way he pursued God is that he put his nose in the book. He had his nose in the scriptures. That's how he pursued God. 
He was reading the Word of God. He was reading Jeremiah. And as he read Jeremiah, his heart began to melt. Specifically, you know what he was reading? He was reading Jeremiah chapter 25. Now, back in those days, they didn't have chapters and verses. They came later. But the, the section of Scripture that he was reading was, in our Bible, Jeremiah 25. And here, what, this is what he read. I want, I want you to just kind of hear what Daniel read that forced him to, or caused him to get on his face before God. Jeremiah chapter, I won't read the whole chapter, just a few verses. Jeremiah 25, verse 4. Uh, you have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants, the prophets, saying, turn now every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from of old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm. You, yet, yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, and, uh, you know, that, you may, or that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. What work of your hands? Well, the, my idol creating idols that they worshipped. And then later on, verse 11 of Jeremiah 25, he says this, and this is what Daniel read, and he said, I need to pray. This whole land shall become ruin and waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and the nation, the land of the Chaldeans, uh, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. I will bring upon that land all the words that I have uttered against it, everything written in this book, which Jeremiah prophesied against the nations. For many nations and great kings shall make slaves even of them, and I will recompense, that means I will judge them according to their deeds and the work of their hands. Jeremiah, or David, or not David, Daniel read this. He read this, and he, you know, looking at his calendar, he's like, wow, well, we've been in Babylon for over 60 years. We're approaching 70 years now. Like we're, and the king of Babylon just died, like died not long ago. Like it was the first year of Darius. So the king of Babylon, Belshazzar, was killed. And Daniel's like looking at his, you know, if he had a watch or a calendar, like, okay, wow, we're almost at 70 years. We're just about there. And so he prays. He says, Lord, will you, we don't deserve you to deliver us. We don't deserve to enter back into the land of promise. God, but, but I appeal to your righteousness, to your name, to your, to your promise-keeping character. Would you forgive us and, and restore to us what has been lost? Which... When I read this, what I read is that there is, that the God that we worship is a God who is patient. He is, the biblical phrase, long-suffering. But there is a line, and his patience does run out. As a father disciplines his child, so God disciplines his people. And so Daniel recognizes this. 
And uh, he responded to what he read in Jeremiah 25 in four ways. The first thing that he did was that he turned his face to God. That was the first response. He didn't go to his friends. He didn't go to you know, his neighbor. He didn't ask them, hey, what do you think about this? You know, I, just, I read this in Jeremiah. You know, what, what are your thoughts? No, what he did was as soon as he finished reading Jeremiah 25, he turned his face to the Lord. You know, when it comes to our own sin, as we, as we explore the scriptures, it is not your mentor, it is not your neighbor, it is not your spouse, it is not your children that need to hear from you first. It is God. We need, we need to turn our face to him. That's, you know, all throughout scripture. You know, in fact, David, after he had sinned with Bathsheba, murdered her husband, covered it up, and then his sin was exposed. He said something that's really intriguing. He said, against you, O Lord, and you only have I sinned. Now, he wasn't he's not saying that he didn't sin against Bathsheba and her family. But first and foremost, he sinned against God. Daniel turned his face towards God. He set his face to the God of all creation. That was his first response. That is brothers and sisters, is the point of reading scripture. That is the point of, 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 of preaching. It's not so that you can hear something that you like or that you enjoy or, 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 or that you come to a church and say, hey, that's a cool church. No, the point of, of preaching, the point of reading the scriptures uh, throughout the week is to see the face of God and be changed by it, to see his character, to be changed by his love through through what you see of him in the scriptures, to be changed by his grace and his justice and his holiness and his mercy by, by being exposed to the character of God as he has revealed himself in scripture. Daniel turned his face to God. The second thing that he did was that he sought God through prayer. You know, like, so I've said this before. You want to know how to listen to God? The Bible. Not... not waiting for an audible voice, but to listen and to seek the voice of God through his word. You, the reason why, for those of you who are new, the reason why we have everyone stand at the reading of the word of God is because we believe that this is the word of God. When you, like, when you heard Daniel chapter 9 read as you were standing, we believe, I believe, that what you heard was the same voice that spoke the galaxies into existence. And prayer, prayer is our response to hearing from God. John Piper said something I thought was, I think is interesting and I totally agree with. He says, where the mind isn't brimming with Bible, the heart is not generally brimming with prayer. The third thing that Daniel did was that he pleaded for mercy. You know, what's mercy? not receiving what you deserve, right? You break the speed limit, get pulled over, what do you deserve? A ticket. When the police officer gives you a warning, what did he just demonstrate? Mercy, right? That was, so Daniel pleaded for mercy. He understood that Israel deserved the wrath of God, but he pleaded for the mercy of God. Based on what? Based on the character of God. 
which he could only do because he sought to know God. The fourth thing that Daniel did was he visibly lamented. You know what lament means? It's, it's just to be, it's just to, it's to cry out uh, to, to God. There's lamentations, literally, it's the book of lament. Jeremiah wrote it. Uh, he was nicknamed the weeping prophet. Uh, one of the things I love about the Bible is that, that the word of God is so honest about life and that God is so, I mean, God, is, God in his grace has given us language of lament to cry out to him. Did you know that? Like, like if you're searching for words and you can't figure out what, you know, in your grief and in your despair to what to say before God, turn to like lamentations, turn to the Psalms. God gives us language of lament in there. And so Daniel lamented. He lamented. How, how did he lament? Well, we're told that he fasted. You know what fasting is? Fasting is refraining. It doesn't necessarily have to be food. It could be refraining from diving into your regular activity. That might, most of the time it's food um, or something else for the purpose of reminding you of something that, that, that is super important. In this case, Daniel fasted to remind himself uh, to, to pray. I don't, I'm not a big fan of fasting. I don't like how my stomach feels when I fast. I don't know about you. I love to eat. I mean, look at me. I, I enjoy food. And, um, but there have been seasons in my life where I fasted. Uh, one of the, I had a spiritual um, life course in, in seminary, and the professor encouraged us to fast for 24 hours through the night and pray and read scripture. Like, it was amazing um, that God, in his mercy, uh, uses that. Um, the founder of Campus Crusade Ministries fasted for 40 days and prayed before starting Campus Crusade. Did you know that? Um, you know, when God's people pray and when they fast, um, God does some pretty, pretty amazing things. And so Daniel fasted and he prayed. But what else did he do? He uh, dressed in sackcloth. Sackcloth was a type of, uh, I guess, leather that was uncomfortable to wear. It was kind of irritating to the skin. You ever wear something that just like, you know, you just didn't like wearing, it just irritated you? Well, he, he did that. Why? Again, because he wanted to have a posture of prayer and he wanted to be alert. And so he did that. And then uh, he covered himself in ashes. What was that symbolic of? Uh, it was symbolic of just utter devastation. He, it, literally, Daniel became uh, a, just a physical object of lament on behalf of his people. In a lot of ways, he is a type of Christ in, way, in, in, in the way that he interceded on behalf of his people. Daniel wasn't without sin. Jesus was. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But So he did these things. And um, he sought the face of God, and he prayed, and he pleaded with him. Why, why did he do that? Here's why. Because he was aware of the promises of God. God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had promised Israel that, that through them a king would come. And this king would, would, would make all that is wrong with the world right. 
that he will balance the scales of justice, that through this individual he will conquer sin and he will defeat death and he'll do all these things. So Daniel understood the promises of God and uh, he understood the mercy of God and that's why he went to God in prayer. The, The second thing that he did, and this is the rest of my sermon, is that Daniel humbled himself before God. So he didn't just seek God, but he humbled himself before God. There are three elements that are included in Daniel's prayer that teach us about how we can pray, and here they are. I'll say them up front, and then we'll go through each one. There's invocation, there's confession, and then there's petition. And so uh, let me just you know, go through each one. Daniel, Daniel's invocation. What was his invocation? He turned his face to God. He, if you look at verse 4, he, he tells us in, in these verses, he said, I prayed to the Lord. Now, if you're tracking in your Bible, you'll notice that Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's, there's a purpose for that. There's a reason for that. Because the Hebrew word, that is used there, or the Hebrew name that is used there is what? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Yahweh. That's the next one. So Yahweh is capital L-O-R-D. Adonai is capital L, lowercase O-R-D. And there's a difference here. So he, he goes, I mean, you, you got to see this. He, he said, I prayed to Yahweh. What's so significant about that? Because Yahweh is God's covenant-keeping name. It is, he is, it is his personal name, his most you know, holy name. In fact, every time the Hebrew scribes would come across, as they were scribing the word of God, every time they came, came to Yahweh, they would start with a new pen and new ink. That's how they treated the name Yahweh. And, and so Daniel says, I prayed to Yahweh my God. And made confession, saying, and here's his prayer, O Adonai. So if you were reading in Hebrew, it would be like, I prayed to Yahweh, my Elohim, my God, and made confession, saying, O Adonai. You know what Adonai means? Sovereign one. Like, God doesn't, take naps, doesn't go on vacation, he doesn't have bad days. Listen, because God is Adonai, listen, ready? There is no room on planet Earth or in all of creation for, for, for two words, two ideas, karma and luck. <laughs> like karma has... No place in the heavenly dictionary. It does not exist. It comes, that idea of karma comes right from the pit of hell. And that's not an overstatement. I'm just telling you like it is. And luck, you know what luck suggests? That God is not always in control. There are some things that just happen by chance. And that is so bogus. That will wreck your world. God is Adonai. He is sovereign. He is on the throne. And that's why it's so significant that Daniel starts with the sovereign one while in Babylon (laughs) under his judgment. And he says, the you know, Adonai, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. That's who I'm praying to. Daniel reminds himself in his prayer who it was that he was approaching. 
He is Yahweh. He is Adonai. He is great and he is awesome. You know what that means? He is omnipotent. That's a theological word that's worth keeping. You know what that means? All-powerful. He is all-powerful. He said, I prayed to that God. I prayed to my God who is sovereign. He is the master over all things. And you can't do that if you don't know if you don't if you don't know the God of the book. He is omnipotent, which means there is nothing that is beyond his ability. Did you hear that? There is nothing that is beyond the ability of God. You know what that also means, brothers and sisters? And you're going to see this when we do baptisms uh, with these four individuals. There is no person beyond his reach. There is no person beyond his reach. That's why Daniel can go on his face before Adonai on behalf of a wicked people who had sinned against God and deserved nothing but his wrath. Because he understood that God is great and he's powerful. He is Yahweh, he is Adonai, and there is no one beyond his reach. You cannot, uh, you cannot dive into a sin so great that God's grace and his mercy cannot overcome. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you, I think, you're wallowing in guilt and in your past, which the evil one, the devil, wants you to do. He wants you to be paralyzed by your past instead of leaning into the grace of the God who is Adonai. There is no task too great for him to accomplish. This, this, this is so awesome. What this means and what Daniel understood is that God has no limitations. He has no limitations. And so everything about God is perfect. He is good in infinite measure. You know what the word infinite means, right? It does not decrease. It continues forever. He is good in infinite measure. He is just in infinite measure. He is love in infinite measure. He is holy in infinite measure. He is grace in infinite measure. And he is faithful, listen, in infinite measure. There is an awesome passage in, in I believe, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy where, where we're reminded that even though we are faithless, he is what? Faithful in infinite measure. And so Daniel starts there, and then he continues with his confession, which is the majority of, of this chapter, verses 5 through 15, is his confession. And um, even though Daniel is innocent of the evils of his people, look, how, look at the language that he uses here in verse 5. He says, we, we have sinned. He's not finger-pointing at Israel and saying, they've sinned. He said, we have sinned. I am just as guilty as they are. I deserve just as much as the wrath of God as, as they do. We have sinned. You are holy. I am not. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. 
Daniel was a shepherd of the people of Israel. He was a prophet, but he was also a shepherd. And, and, and so he, was, he identified with the sins of his people. And then he lists a series of accusations against his own people in his confession. I'll just read them for you, and you, you can track along in your Bible. In verse 7, he said this, To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, verse 8, because we have sinned against you, verses 9 through 10. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws. Verse 11, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. Verse 13, we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. All throughout his confession is, this is what we've done. And you know what he does here? He doesn't sugarcoat their sin or his sin. He appeals to the righteousness of God and the mercy of God and the character of God. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. In the Bible, right? In the Bible, uh, we see this story from Genesis to Revelation, this God of redemption. But we also see just how fickle our hearts are. And we see how, you know, the hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Um, that's, that's our story, right? And, and we see all throughout Scripture and we see through church history how God has used women in such amazing ways, like the Wadani. Like, you know that story? I mean, some of you know that story when Jim Elliott and his missionary friends were killed. It was women that took the gospel into that people group and brought them the gospel, and God delivered many in that tribe um, from their sins through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, we, we, we even read in, in the gospels, you know, who was the first person who witnessed and experienced the resurrection of Jesus? A woman, Mary, right? And, and when you read like the end of Romans, uh, who is it that, that the Apostle Paul is attributing uh, this, this great help that he has received for, for the sake of the gospel? A woman, right? And so uh, women, I don't know why this is, um, but the history of women is that it seems to me that, that their hearts tend to be tender to the voice of God more so than us dopey men. It's true. Like, it is. And so, uh, I, I mean, I was just going through a list. <laughs> this is not a guilt trip. This is just, I wanted to see if this was true. Um, because I, my experience said, it seems that the church is fuller on Mother's Day than on Father's Day. And I'm, so I went through the last five years of Meadowbrook. True. <laughs> it's true. There are more people in church on Mother's Day than on Father's Day. Um, go figure. So, so here's what Daniel does here. He says the spiritual climate of Israel is, is, is to blame for the hard hearts of the kings, the princes, and the men, the fathers. 
I think if we're going to see revival happen or an, awaken, or an awakening happen in the church, I believe God's got to grab a heart, grab a hold of the hearts of our men. I'm not worried about the women. You've got a track record of just listening to the voice of God. Guys, if your wife or your girlfriend or your fiance or if, if she has to pull you by the hand to get to church or to read your Bible, something is wrong. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. So um, Daniel puts the, 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 the blame on these leaders in Israel. It's because they, and what did they do? They did not obeyed the word of God. When they, when they heard the voice of God through his word, through the prophets, they ignored it. And, um, and that is why Israel is in the place that it was in. And in verse 14, Daniel continues, he said, The Lord has kept ready the calamity that has brought it upon us, for the, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. He appeals again to the righteousness of God. He, compares, he contrasts the righteousness of God to the unfaithfulness of Israel. And then, then we get to his petition, and this is, this is like gospel here. Um, in verse 15, I think verses 15 and 16 go together, although in your Bible it's a, there's this paragraph break. There's no paragraphs in the original language, which I, hats off to those who, who uh, like the archaeologists and linguists who are able to decipher Hebrew and Greek. But uh, I believe verse 15 and 16 belong together. Just listen to verses 15 and 16 together. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as at, or as at this day. We have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. You can hear Jeremiah 25 in, his, in the language of his prayer. And so he petitions. That's the other thing. He's praying on behalf of his people. So he confessed their sins, and now he's praying on behalf of the people of God. He doesn't sugarcoat their sins. He understands the seriousness of their sins, and he appeals to the righteousness of God. Verse 18 he says, For we uh, do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. What, what, again, what is mercy? Mercy is refraining from receiving what you deserve. And God says, or no, Daniel says, I, I'm appealing to your great mercy, your infinite mercy, your, your mercy that is unending. We deserve your wrath, but I'm asking for your grace, something that we do not deserve. And in verse 19, O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O oh my God, because your city, because your city and your people are called by your name. You said that you were going to, to that through your people you would deliver the nations. You said that. You said through your prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9 as a matter of fact, that, that through your people would come this prince of peace who would make all that is wrong with the world right. So do it, Lord. Do it, uh, not, not based on our faithfulness, not because you owe us anything, but because of who you are. Because of who you are. 
David interceded on behalf of his people by pleading for God's mercy based on God's character. You want to know how to pray? That's, that's where you start. <laughs> base your prayers based on the character of God. You know, cling to his mercy. Root your prayer in his character, not your own, but his character. When I read chapter 9, I'm reminded of Jesus who intercedes on our behalf 24-7, all eternity. We're told that he stands before the Father and intercedes on our behalf. I love what John Bunyan said. He said, regardless of what you have done throughout the week, your righteousness, if you're a Christian, is perfect 100% all the time because it is not your righteousness that, is, that, that, that God sees. It is the righteousness of Christ. And it is that righteousness that stands before the throne of God all the time. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 through 25 says this. Uh, the former priests were many in number because they were uh, prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, that is Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus is our high priest. Daniel could not take the sins away from his people. You needed a perfect redeemer to be able to do that. What's interesting, and this is next week's sermon, but um, what's interesting is that Gabriel, again, pops on the scene here in verse 20, and uh, Daniel was praying, hey, we're coming up to the end of that 70 years. And then Gabriel says, no, let me tell you about 70 weeks. Let me tell you about this one, who's, this, this prince who's going to be cut off from the living. He was prophesying about Jesus. You want to know how the sins of your people will be forgiven? You want to know how they'll experience mercy? There's a redeemer coming. And I'm going to see to it that he's born. <laughs> I will continue the line of the kings through Judah, and he will be born one day. And that, and that king is Jesus. And because Jesus is our, intercedes on our behalf, because he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, and he rose on the third day, we have a priest who, who, who represents us, and then our sins are, 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 are forgiven permanently, past, present, and future. Like Romans, let's read this together. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Ready? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is the condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is what? Interceding for us. Amen? Like That's the gospel. That's the gospel. We are sinners in need of the grace of God, and God provided it through his son in perfect measure. And as I reflect upon Daniel 9, I am painfully aware of the sickness of the American church. And I'm sure so are you. And if we're honest, we can point to the reason for that. We have sinned and have done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled and turned aside from your commandments and rules, Lord. 
We have heard your word and we have ignored it. What we need, what our generation needs, what every generation that follows us needs most is Jesus. Jesus, who became sin for us so that we could have the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, if you're taking notes. And how do you get that? I mean, we're going to do baptisms in the next service. You know, what, is, what, are bapti- what is a baptism? What, what does that mean? Does it mean that <clears throat> you're securing your spot in heaven? No. <laughs> what does it mean? It is every person that's going to be baptized today is going on record, and they're, and they're going to tell you <clears throat> that they mean business in following Jesus, that they have found their life in Jesus Christ and him alone, not because of anything that they've done, but because of everything Jesus had already accomplished on the cross and by walking out of that, that, that tomb. But Jesus said this, and I'll leave, I'll leave you with this. He said this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. Will find it. Each of the people that are being baptized today know this. I've talked to them about this. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, when you receive the forgiveness of your sins, what will happen is this, that God, God, you will experience the love of God that is not satisfied with leaving you as you are because he loves you too much. Your life will change. And when Jesus becomes your Savior, you know what else happens? He becomes your Lord. And by, <laughs> this is a package deal. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus will begin to, will begin to make demands upon your life. I talked to one person about about this, he's like, you know, God, God is doing something, you know what I mean? And he said, what I used to like, I, I, don't really, I don't really enjoy anymore, I don't want to do anymore. And I said to that person, I said, God is giving you new appetites. That's evidence of saving faith. That's evidence of this new life. And, uh, and if you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, man, I, I would implore you, before you leave here, Hear these words. The Bible says that all who confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead will be saved. That salvation is found in no one else but the name of Jesus. That Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by me. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he, uh, uh, so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not, what, perish, but have, what, everlasting life or eternal life. Amen? And if that's your heart before you leave here, I beg you that you talk to God and you tell him that you want to be a follower of Jesus, that you want your sins forgiven. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in and through each of our lives in this room, those watching the live stream. God, thank you for it. And as we enter into the second service, God, I just, as we celebrate these individuals, whose lives have been impacted and changed because of the gospel. They're not perfect lives, but they're changing because of the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit that that dwells in them now. God, I just pray that uh, you be glorified. Your name will be lifted up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.